the Pediatric Lounge, a podcast taking you behind the door of the Physician's Lounge to get a deeper insight into just what docs are talking about today. From the clinically profound to the wonderfully routine and everything in between. Well, hello again. Welcome to the Pediatric Lounge. This is a very, very special event. Today we celebrate 100 episodes since the day we started with Dr. Rogu. And we've been telling the story of the American pediatrician, or the U.S.-based pediatrician, because America is very big. And to celebrate this, we're asking all of our listeners, all of our viewers, across Apple Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram and LinkedIn and on and on and on, all our social media channel, to donate $9.99 to Grayson's effort to help build kids for children diagnosed with insulin-dependent diabetes. He is a kid with this disease. It's a lifelong disease. It's a difficult disease. But him and his mother and his family, with the help of a wonderful pediatrician, Aladdin Pediatrics, have made this journey bearable and they're flourishing. Let's all unite and give him $9.99. You can go to our website and do that now. Thank you. Hey, George, good morning. It's Tuesday morning. We have some very special guests today. Hello, Dr. Barbisi. Yes, we have Grayson's Scott's project. It should be very interesting to talk about helping young kids, young adults. So we're going to welcome Grayson and his mother, Colette. They live very close to my home here in Leesburg, Virginia. And I met them at a fundraiser recently at one of the country clubs for juvenile di- diabetes research. How are you doing, Grayson? I'm doing well. How are you? Welcome, Colette. Thank you for letting, sharing your son with us for a few moments this morning. Well, thank you so much for having us. We're so happy that you were able to squeeze us into your podcast. Honored to be here. Thank you. Uh, Gray, when were you diagnosed with ju- juvenile onset diabetes? I was diagnosed almost five years ago, about the April of 2018. Was that a scary experience for a young person? It was definitely intimidating. I was a bit nervous, but I toughed through it. It wasn't my first time in the hospitals. And so why, why had you been in the hospital? Are you, are you a daredevil? You had some broken bones? I hit my face a couple times on falling as a kid, and I got stitches a few times. We had noticed a significant amount of weight loss. It was almost like he he was emaciated looking. We were on spring break down in Florida. We had just had our checkup uh, with our pediatrician and everything checked out maybe about a month ago. But since that visit, he just all of a sudden lost a ton of weight. He was urinating all the time. We were driving from places uh, while we were on spring break. And he just was very lethargic. Uh, his face was sunk in. Uh, it was, I think we were definitely more scared than he was. He would tell us, you know, I feel regular, but my, I feel regular, but my body just feels really tired. And did you go to the pediatrician or did you go to the work? I think we lost a little audio. But yeah, so we, I was very concerned. We got back from, from the vacation. And I thought maybe he just picked up a bug or something. And after a few days being home and eating regular, that he kind of bounced back and he just continued to decline. So I called in and I I said, something is wrong. 
we need we need to come in. And Dr. Hutchinson was great about making time in her schedule to get us in. She she definitely knew I was very concerned, and she got us in the next day. And when I was describing to her what I was concerned about, of course, my brain had gone to so many different things that could be wrong. And it, I think she immediately knew what we were looking for. She, she said, we're just going to do a little finger prick and going to see, you know, chest out a, a theory of mine. And so, you know, she did the finger prick and she said, good news is uh, that you're, or bad news is that you're heading to the emergency room. Good news is that you have time to go home and pack a bag. She said she's had patients before where she had just had them transported uh, directly across the street to the one hospital, and then they end up getting transported down to Fairfax to the uh, larger children's hospital. So, yeah, that's a very difficult day. It's mm -hmm. day for you, it's for your son, um, and for the pediatrician. Colette, I don't know if you know, but the specialty pediatrician <laughs> is endangered. We are underpaid, overworked, and we're no longer being able to meet the mission of caring for our kids and our families. What, and I, I find this interesting. I call my patients, my kids, and the mothers call me our pediatrician. <laughs> That's what the mothers call me, our pediatrician. <laughs> I'm not Colette's pediatrician. I'm Grayson's pediatrician. But, right. but I am your pediatrician, right? Um, in the sense of talking, how much does it mean to you as a mother to have that relationship with your primary care pediatrician in the community? What value does that have to you and others? Well, we found Dr. Hutchinson when Grayson was about two years old and my oldest son was about four. And up until that point, we'd been going to our practice and we just saw whoever was available whenever we were going and really formed that relationship yet. But as Grayson mentioned, he's no stranger to the hospital, and he had an allergic reaction to cephalosporin. And following that emergency room situation, we saw Dr. Hutchinson and just her way with, with the boys and her way of just being so calming and reassuring. I, I, I appreciated that so much. And so then she was our go-to after that point in time. And then with Grayson being allergic to, we already knew he had a reaction to amoxicillin. That's why he'd been put on the cephalosporin. After that, she made it her mission just to really be very careful when she was prescribing medications to him, just really wanting to make sure that, that we weren't going to up, end up in that situation again. She's a very caring person. What would you do if... Land pediatrics close its doors. I I would be devastated. It's I've had some own struggles with with my health and finding providers that can help with some other issues that I have. And it's it's a challenge to find someone that you connect with personally. And then it's also has your your health at the forefront and just to have to start that journey again this late in the game would be just, I know, devastating. Oh, what would happen? You go back to 1990, patients like him would get sick, get sicker, get a whole lot sick, end up with severe abdominal pain, 
and end up with emergency with diabetic ketoacidosis. Yeah. It could, you know, progress to, you know, cola, basically. Be admitted by you. Yeah. So, yes, yes, it's a... I see you or not. And to level set, we live in a very fortunate community. It's a very affluent community. We have a lot of resources that other communities don't have. But even here, we're struggling to staff primary care. And it's hard. You hear it from the mothers. You hear from my father, my best friend. They can't get into the endocrinologist. They can't get into this. They can't. It's to find a primary care doctor here, an internist who is not a concierge. You got to pay $2,500, three grand a year to see them. They're gone. They, they work for the hospital. Or if you want an internist, you better pay them $3,000 plus insurance. And mm -hmm. the average family in this neighborhood is paying between eighteen dollars to $28,000 a year to ensure their family with no chronic conditions, with a $5,000 deductible. Yeah. And then on top of that, they're going to have to pay $3,000 for mom, $3,000 for dad. That's $6,000 to have access to a doctor. And we are in a crisis. And, you know, we all need to stand together, mothers, kids, pediatricians, because without mother, without teachers, without pediatricians, there are no healthy kids. And without no healthy kids, there is no community. So sure. I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. Gray, I heard you were working on an Eagle Scout project. What's that all about? Yes. So I will be collecting items to assemble care kits for newly diagnosed type 1 diabetics. My pediatric endocrinologist will distribute them. Some of the items will include shot pain blockers, our favorite fast-acting glucose for Lowe's, and a Unisol for getting off pods and sensors and just any sticky. When Grayson was first diagnosed, his, his first CGM monitor that we tried to remove, we had no way, we, we didn't know how to remove it. That, that adhesive is pretty intense. So I'm trying all the classic, I'm Googling how to remove stickers and I'm trying peanut butter and baby oil. And this poor child had just goop all over his body trying to get this sticker off of him. And then we, we learned about Unisol from fellow type one diabetics and that, that just that one product it works. alone was. It works really well. So we're hoping to save some trouble with some new, um, diabetic families. Oh, that's wonderful. If you had been my mom, you'd rub Vicks rub on me because she thought that cured everything. <laughs> and how much do you need to raise for this? So product? we're so our goal we are hoping to make 100 kits, which has an estimated cost of twelve hundred dollars. So we are only asking for a nine dollar and ninety nine cent donation. And where can our listeners find you? The pediatric lounge on the on the banner. You can use our Venmo QR code on the banner to access my website. Great. And so we just go to the pediatriclounge.com and the banner will pop up and the Venmo uh, QR code will be there. And then if you press on the button, it'll send you to your website where you tell your story and every all the supplies you're uh, needing to do this. Right? Well, and if there's, there's going to be money left over because all the people that listen to this podcast are very generous and they're all going to send you $9.99 and you're going to get this and some more kits done and we will call it a win for our community and our country. What happens when you get 
couple extra thousand dollars. Where's that going to go? We will be redonating it back to JDRS. Or we also, we had the idea we could be making more continue. Even after we reach the quota of our, our diabetic kits, we might continue on, use the extra money to make a few extra kits to help those extra families. That's wonderful. And will you send us a picture when you get your Eagle uh, Scout Award so we can put it yes. on our site and on our social media? Because we will all feel like you're our kid and we <laughs> help. Be sure to. Absolutely. Yes, we will make that happen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really admire you as a mother. This is a hard journey to have a young child with, the, with diabetes. It's hard on the kids, but they're more resilient than us adults. Um, yes. But it is very hard to have a child with diabetes. And just by looking at him, you've done such a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Pediatric Lounge. On the show notes, you will find links to our co-host and other important notes as well as a timetable of the topics discussed today. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a great review as it helps us greatly. In the meantime, we will see you next week. The Pediatric Lounge. The conversations are not intended as medical advice and the opinions expressed are solely those of the host and the guest.